said, I pray that you have a good time preaching and that you don't mess up. <laughs> and then if you do, that nobody notices. So that's what I'm praying for. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to have a good time preaching this sermon. I have been excited about this. this is one of my favorite, well, the, my favorite passage in the Bible. And so I am always excited about it. I actually had to use a different Bible to, to preach it out of because my other one has so many notes in it, I actually can't read the actual words that are left in the Bible on this particular passage. So I'm excited about it. Um, so I thank you. Welcome to the Sanctuary Fellowship. Uh, I know this is one of those Sundays that sometimes is easy to get lost, right? It's in between some holidays. Everybody ate too much, I'm sure, this week. Um, it's raining outside. Um, and so I appreciate you being here as, um, as I'm excited. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 3, um, and then we're going to keep moving on into chapter 4. So um, uh, I'm going to admit to you there's a lot of, of verses to cover today, but this is just a crazy story to me. And it's, it's, to me it just spells out what it means to give your life for who Jesus is. And to never give less than Jesus. And what could happen if we never give less than Jesus? Uh, I had contemplated doing some spinoff of 2020 for the new 2020 year, but I'm just not. I'm not that clever. And, and so I'm just going to stick to what's in the Bible and go from there, okay? So we'll leave the 2020 vision uh, things to somebody better. Uh, so again, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 starting out. Uh, and we're going to read uh, the first 10 verses to start. So it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began to ask to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with the wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, we thank you for this season and this time of celebrating uh, who Jesus is. God, and as we kind of move off of that, we look to what Jesus will do and what he's going to do and what he's done for us. And because of that, what you've called us to do. God, we don't just celebrate a baby Jesus and then go out and do nothing. The rest of the world does that. We can drive by house after house after house with a nativity scene of a baby Jesus. But inside that house, inside their hearts, Jesus never grew up. And he never did anything in them. And he never changed their hearts. God, so I pray that we would look at your word and realize that there is a purpose for this baby Jesus. And there's a purpose for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, start back. So Peter and John 
these are a couple disciples. Again, they're pretty fresh out of the death of Jesus. Like this is maybe months away from that. Okay, and the church is very young. Baby church, few weeks old, very new. Peter and John. So they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain man, verse 2. A certain man who has been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms to those who were entering the temple. Now it says in, in, chapter, four, in chapter 4, this man was actually lame from birth. And he's about 40 years old, right? So he is no questionably, no questionable, it's, he's lame. He is crippled. He has to be carried in, right? So it's kind of interesting. God kind of sets this up and is like, okay, I'm going to give you a lame man, not just somebody who is sick, not just somebody. This is somebody who everybody knows is crippled. Everybody knows is lame, has been there from the beginning, right? Has been lame from when he was born. This is not an easy fix, right? This is a hard thing to imagine trying to walk up to somebody and say, oh, just, you know, you're going to get up and walk, right? So he kind of starts in the, you know, how God starts, right, with kind of an impossible story, like an impossible thing to do. And then you have Peter and John. So I, I think God sets this up in a way that it's like, he's going to use this miracle for his fame. That's what he's going to do. That's what God does. Hopefully with what we're a part of, God is using it to further him and to further his fame. So God sets it up, I think, very, very well, as he does, because he's, you know, God. And so, we're going to move on. Verse 4, right? Or, uh, sorry, verse 3. He says, And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began to ask to receive alms. So again, that's why he's there, right? He can't work, he can't do anything else. So that's what he does, is he begs for alms. It says, verse 4, And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. So it's interesting, right? So these guys are walking up. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is probably a walk that these guys have made many times up these stairs to go pray. They've made this walk many times. And all of a sudden, this time, it's different. This time, they take time and they look at this man. So again, they've done this before. They know what it's like to walk up the temple stairs and to go pray. They've done it. They've walked the walk. And all of a sudden, this time, it's different. This same man, they've probably walked by many times. This time, they like, look at him. It's kind of very pertinent for us, right? As churchgoers, we get in this mode of going, right? We go, we go. But all of a sudden, these two guys look and they see this man. All of a sudden, they have a different sympathy and compassion for this particular man. Now the question is sometimes for us, do we see those in need? Are we too busy doing whatever it is that we're doing, whether it be good or not? And all of a sudden they have a different kind of compassion for this guy. A different kind of sympathy. As if their time with Jesus was changing them. Right, these were guys that early on in their ministry when they're talking about, man, all of these people, they're going to starve out here. What, we should send them all home. Jesus is like, you feed them. And they're like, what? All of a sudden, you're starting to see some of that come out and that it's like Jesus had compassion on those people 
And all of a sudden, these guys are starting to have some of that same thing. All of a sudden, they were starting to change. And this hopelessness of this man started to move them to do something different, to make a change. Right? So he's going to see, look at us again. Verse 4, he says, look at us. Sometimes, so when you're walking the streets, or you walk into Walmart, or you walk into whatever, and you see somebody who needs for help, how often do you look the other way? And you hope that person that is begging for something does not look at you, right? You know what I'm saying. Just don't make eye contact, right? Don't just, just you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wave maybe, and I'll, uh, I don't have anything, but I'll, don't make that eye contact, right? You know what I'm saying. Everybody here is, knows. I know myself. And it's a hard situation to be in at times because you don't always know what to do. But man, these guys looked. They looked. And maybe we shouldn't get caught up not looking. Maybe we shouldn't. And there was an interesting story. I'm sure you've heard this story. There was a story of a pastor who is a, uh, he dressed up as a homeless man and sat outside his church. And all of a sudden, nobody said anything to him, and he walked up on stage, and everybody's like, who is this guy? And he un takes off his costume, and it is the pastor standing there. Man, that is, that is difficult to swallow. Right? So it's, it's this idea that we're looking at. All of a sudden, again, Peter and John had done this too, right? They had walked by this guy, and this time it was different. They looked at him. They made eye contact with him. Even in that awkward moment of somebody needing something. And sometimes that attitude of, well, somebody else will do it. So let's keep going. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from him. And this is why we don't make eye contact. Why? Because we know as soon as that happens, we know that person is expecting something, right? Somebody who is begging, somebody who is in need, whether it be begging or not, somebody who is in need, as soon as you kind of engage that, they're expecting you to help them with their need, right? You expect that. As soon as we gather somebody's attention, they're kind of expecting some help. This man right here, he was expecting alms, right? That's what he was asking for. There was never a thought in his mind that, hey, I'm going to get healed if I ask these two dudes. Right? He wasn't expecting that. He was expecting alms. So the question is, most of the time when people are in need, they need particular things, right? And while you're like, I can't help with that, I can't help with that. Well, let me tell you, most of the time people aren't going to run up to you and say they need Jesus. Why? Because they don't know they need him. They don't know they need Jesus. They know they need somebody to help pay their house payment. They, need, they know they need somebody to drive them to the hospital for a doctor's appointment. They don't know they need Jesus. We have the opportunity Right? So let's keep going. Verse 6. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. These guys, they're, they're not loaded. Right? People didn't go into uh, being a disciple to make money. Uh, I know. Trust me, as even a preacher, you don't go into it for the money. They're not loaded, Right? But what they do have, they give him. And this is more than just giving this man a healing. Right? As we're going to see as we move on. Man, they're giving this man Jesus. 
They're giving this man the hope of a relationship with God. And the idea is this. What I, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And what you realize is these guys aren't given less than Jesus. As, as we're going to read, these guys could have healed the man and, and been done. But they didn't. They healed this man in a particular name. They healed this man in the name of what? Jesus. Now, I will say, some of us do have opportunities to meet financial needs. Some of us do have the opportunity to help people in that way. And don't not do it and say, well, I told him about Jesus. Yeah, but did you help him? Where is your heart? God says, don't store up treasures in store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. So let's keep going. So all of a sudden, they tell this man, again, this is a whole story, right? Walk up the stairs, see this man, he's expecting alms, and the next thing he hears is, hey, dude, just get up. Yeah, you talk about, like, mocking someone, right? Is that not, the, if you're standing around watching this, you're like, what did he say to him? I feel like that's a terrible thing to say to someone in his condition. Right? Is this mocking? And yet, you don't see that from this man. You don't see even a hint of that. There was something about what was going on in the situation that this man had confidence that something, that they could do it. I feel like the, the Holy Spirit is so working in this moment. The, if the Spirit is moving. So it moves on. It says, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Now again, this whole idea, so this is when it enters in for the first time. Uh, Peter says, in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene. So again, we're not very far off of the crucifixion of Jesus in this very place. And all of a sudden, these two guys who were afraid often of being a disciple of Jesus are now preaching in the name of the dude who just got crucified. And there's no question what Jesus. That's why he says Jesus the Nazarene. There's no question. They're not leaving it out. They're not kind of like, ah, oh, it's kind of, you know, it, this is Jesus the Nazarene. And they get even more bold in chapter 4. It says, verse 7, And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. This is, I, I think, a key point. And the, and the beginning of verse 7 says exactly that. He reached down and he seized this man by the hand. This is probably not a man who many people touch him. Not many people are going along, walking up to the temple gates and high-fiving this dude, Right? And yet these two guys say, get up and walk, and they do more than that. He grabs him. He touches the man. I'm, I'm telling you, I can only imagine what this dude felt when these guys touched him. Not only did these guys connect, not only did these guys look at this dude in the eye, they touched him. They grabbed him by the hand. And they pulled him up. Right? It's the idea of this good Samaritan. You have these two 
preacher guys that kind of walk by and are like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. And then you have this Samaritan who goes. And he doesn't just like throw some water at the guy. He doesn't just like throw some bandages. He bandages him, puts him on his own animal, and walks him to the town. Dro leaves him at a place and then gives more money in case they need to take care of him even more. Man, this touch is important. It's something that people don't get. Right? If any of you have ever been to even missions anywhere, like Uganda or whatever, man, those kids, right? When you touch those kids, when you, they just, they just want to hang all over you. They just want to like, they just want to know you're real and know you're there. So this guy, already sensing something, now is like hand in hand with this guy. And he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Crippled since he was born. Verse 8. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now you know these guys were not about themselves. Why? Because it says right there, he didn't give glory to Peter and John. I'm sure he was grateful, but who he gave glory to was God. These guys weren't just giving a healing. They were giving this new relationship of who Jesus was and how this man could know God. Have you ever seen some of these uh, videos of people hearing for the first time? Have you heard they, seen some of these videos? And they'll show some of these YouTube videos, and I won't tell anybody, well, I'll tell you this. I usually sit there and I'll cry. I don't think I've even told my wife. I was like, because... But it's like when you see these people and they're sitting there and somebody's, you know, taping them. And for the first time, because this new technology, they hear sounds like they hear rain or they hear the sound. There's one particular one where a baby hears the sound of his mom's voice and I go to I crumble. Because this is crazy, right? It's such a new thing. And for this guy, that's exactly what it is. He's been lame. He's had been carried his whole life for 40 years. These guys come up, heal him, and say, man, this Jesus, he's done this. And he walks into the temple, walks with these guys, and he's jumping around. I can only see the scene. And I, I, again, I don't think this is a small thing. All right? Because again, as we lead into the next few verses, this draws what you call attention. All right? You see people jumping around, especially some guy that you've been walking past for the last 20 years. And now all of a sudden he's jumping around in the temple, giving glory to God. So let's keep going. Verse 9. And the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were filled with wonder. So what had happened had surpassed their knowledge or their beliefs to a point that they had to come see what the deal was about. This is like evangelism 101. You give Jesus, 
and see what will happen. Right? It's easy sometimes to sing the word, so will I. Right? The, verse, the song we just sang. It's easy to sit here sometimes and sing, so will I. If creation stands to praise you, so will I. Well, let me tell you, creation points to Jesus. It is a mirror of Jesus. One day it will be reconciled. And we're the same way. If we're going to sing, so will I, that means everything we do, everything we say should point to Jesus. Why? Because people then will want to know what is going on. Those who truly help in the name of Jesus will draw attention. Because again, there's nothing wrong with handing out a sandwich. But when the Holy Spirit is involved, and we not only want to hand out a sandwich, but we want to see somebody know Jesus, we open up the doors to what God truly wants to do, and that is to save that person. Right? I know we kind of sometimes as Christians feel like it's a bait and switch. Well, that person's hungry. They don't want to hear about Jesus. Why? Because they don't know they need Jesus. That's what makes, right, evangelism hard. Well, that guy, man, he's, if he, only he knew Jesus. Yeah, but he doesn't know. So sometimes we have to go look like a fool to make sure he knows. Why? Because we don't know all the answers, right? Well, Peter and John didn't know all the answers either. They just, over time, over time, over time of being with Jesus, grew in their knowledge and in their boldness and in their love for people. Obviously, that connection with Jesus changed even the approach to what they did with that dude. And they gave glory to God. It's not about us. It's not about getting recognition. So he goes on. We're not going to read the rest of these verses. We're going to jump to chapter 4. But in the next few verses, all of a sudden, this allows Peter to now go into a sermon. To now, all of a sudden, all of these people come in, at the wonder and amazement of what happened because Peter and John took time. And now Peter is going to have the opportunity to teach the gospel to people who want to know what happened. And so we're going to move on to chapter 4, and we're going to see some of the things that happened because of what Peter and John gave, right? What could happen if we give Jesus? What happens if we never give less than Jesus? So chapter 4, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Remember, Jesus was crucified not long before this, so it's very fresh. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. 5,000? Man, this is like preaching at a football game or something, right? I mean, this is like the Super Bowl of church going on right now. Because of the wonder, because of Jesus, because whatever had happened had surpassed the knowledge 
and the beliefs of those who were there. So let's move on. Verse 5. And it came about on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Ananias the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who are of high priestly descent. So it's interesting. So all of a sudden, this right here, the who of who of Jewish leaders are here. These would, be, these would have been the exact same people who were there a few, not too many weeks earlier, convicting Jesus and sending, sentencing him to the cross. Same guys. The same guys who thought they put that dude to death. And now all of a sudden, they have these two guys standing there healing people in the same name. You guys realize this is boldness. They just crucified a guy for this exact thing. The same guys. How do you not in your mind think, all right, I'm going to go preach my last sermon because they're going to do to me exactly what they did to them, did to him. You think these guys weren't changing? You think these guys weren't changed by their time with Jesus? Oh my gosh. Jesus remained in the limelight. It was like what they did to Jesus didn't even matter. And they're right. It was much bigger than that. That crucifixion of Jesus started something they couldn't stop. And it started with these guys being willing, right? Oh, man. In the limelight, Jesus is still there. Verse 7. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or by what name have you done this? I think we as believers a lot of times, and we as the church, have forsaken the power of the Holy Spirit and what he can do if we will live in that name. Like at what point in our lives are we no longer just businessmen or ranchers or whatever job you are, but we are Christians who live in the name of Jesus and preach and teach and love people in the name of Jesus and let the chips fall where they may. We sing it, right? So will I. So will I. It says Jesus gave his life to love them. And then we sing, so will I. Are we willing to live what we're singing? Verse, uh, let's keep going. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Yep, that was... I, I mean, Peter had... These are the last words I'm ever going to say. I, I truly believe that's what he had to be thinking. He's no fool, right? He saw what they did to Jesus. And not only is he saying this, 
by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, not just that. He also says that you crucified, that you had killed. I, I, I hope you're starting to realize why I think this is my favorite story in the whole Bible. Because all of a sudden, you have real guys understanding what it means to follow Jesus and not caring what anybody else thinks about it. And I hope that at some point in my life, I can live this way. And that if I follow Jesus long enough, and if I seek him hard enough, I will live like this one day. If they can do it, we can do it. Why not? They're not any different than us. Shoot, as we're going to see earlier, these guys aren't even educated. I've got a master's degree, for goodness sake. How hard can it be? <laughs> guys, these, are, these guys are no different than us. We read the Bible sometimes, like, well, those are special people. Have, are you kidding? Have you read the life of David? The fact that he's going to be in heaven is a miracle. Okay? So get it together. They're no different than us. They didn't, oh, well, they lived in a different time. You think so? Yeah, yeah, they crucified people. We should be grateful. Nobody's crucifying you for living for Jesus. Oh, I love, I just, I, I love the story. Let's keep going. We're going to go to verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. Never give less than Jesus. A lot of times we in the church think, like, the gospel is it. If we're not sharing the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus came as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He died on that cross to pay yours and mine. So that we could have a relationship with God. And he rose again three days later to prove that he was who he said he was. That is the good news. There is no other name. There may be more pressing needs for people around you, but there is no greater need. And let's not forget that. I, there's this, there's this, you know, if... If you know anything about mercy ministry, there'll be this huge debate about, well, how do you, do you, you know, do you help people with food and water, or do you just preach them Jesus and then help them? And I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. We are highly rich people in this country, obviously. And we have the opportunity, God has given us the means and the opportunity to do both. We don't forsake one for the other, but their greatest need is Jesus. And let's not forget that. Verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Again, these are uneducated guys. These are fishermen. You know, they, they, they spent half their life smelling, right? Nobody wanted to be around them. They were fishermen right? They'd get up early, they'd work hard, they'd go to bed late. Uneducated men. And yet, it's interesting, because I think in one sense, they're recognizing these men physically, like recognize them as been with Jesus. But as these guys are speaking, 
they are, they are literally seeing the spirit of Jesus in these guys. Like, not only physically do they see him as been with Jesus, but spiritually, it's like, man, these guys, are they different than the other guy? They're preaching the same thing. They have the same boldness. They have the same maddening calmness that Jesus had. Like, the, like before, Peter wanted to cut people's ears off and stuff, right? And now it's like he's standing there, calm and bold, saying, Jesus, Jesus did it. The same guy that you killed is who this man's healed in. They were eloquent. They were fearless. Right? So they recognize these guys, not only physically, but they recognize that they, they worked in the same spirit as the man they just killed. Again, I want, I want, I want to be blamed for that. You're like, man, G Jared, he tries to act like Jesus all the time. Thank you. Right? They mirrored him. These guys could recognize that. It's interesting, too, because that made these guys scared to death. Why? Because these guys were fearless. And it's hard to control people that are fearless. Right? If you have a child that is fearless, it is scary, right? Because you can't control what that kid's going to do. Like he's, you know, standing 10 foot high on something. You're like, oh gosh, he's going to kill himself. I probably was that child. And I'm fairly certain I have one or two of those. Uh, but you can't control people who are fearless. And all of a sudden, these guys started to realize this is bigger than uh, one guy. Verse, uh, let's keep going. Seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. They were speechless. But when they had ordered them to go outside of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Again, go back to what we said before, how God set it up. Like a memorable miracle. Even these guys said a noteworthy miracle. Something that couldn't be faked. Something that couldn't be made up. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's interesting. Time hasn't changed, right? Everything is okay except Jesus. Like you can talk to anybody about anybody, you know. Buddha, Allah, Gandhi, whatever you want. Not a big deal, right? God, not a big deal. You start talking to people about Jesus, and it gets offensive quickly. That's what makes—it's funny, because it's what makes me believe the, the Bible even more. Because it's the only thing that offends people. Right? It's the only name. You can talk about God. Be, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, he's great. We talk sometimes, you know. He healed my kitty cat. But, man, you bring talk about Jesus, and it, I mean, quickly. You can get people heated quickly. It hasn't changed, Right? Anything is acceptable. Anything is okay except Jesus, which is what makes me want to say the name even more. I've always been a rebel. So this is your opportunity. If you're a rebel, let's live it out. All right? 
And then it gets to the end of it. But Peter and John answered them and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. He's saying, hey, you do what you have to do. You believe what you want to believe, but what I'm saying is, I will not stop speaking about what I've seen about Jesus. So whether you think it's right in the sight of God to tell us to stop doing it, we can't. And I truly believe these guys had had such an experience with Jesus and such a time of what they had seen that they physically could not stop doing it. I feel like their, their whole being, their whole life, everything pointed to Jesus. Right? What they truly believed, what they truly loved, everything had now to do with Jesus. Right? They'd already given up their whole life for it. So why not give up the rest of it? And at this point, the way they're talking, that couldn't be more than a day or two. So they thought, let's just keep doing it. We cannot stop speaking about Jesus. How do we measure what is precious to us, right? Pastor Joe said this a couple weeks ago at a Christmas sermon. He said, for some of us, entertainment is more precious than Jesus. Some of us, our sexuality is more precious than Jesus. Money, job, significance, whatever. We will sacrifice a lot to have those things in our lives and hope Jesus blesses them along the way. Here is the big, big truth of Christmas. There is not anything more precious than Jesus. There is no greater treasure. There is nothing more beautiful than Jesus. Nothing. No one. So if we truly believe that, we'll never give less than Jesus. When we love lesser things, we will give lesser things. So is anybody saying it's not okay to give a sandwich? No. Please give a sandwich. But realize that that person's greatest need is to know God through his son, Jesus. Man, these guys, they got it. And they didn't just talk it, right? They walked up. They didn't make excuses for anything. They allowed Jesus to change them, and they saw the dude this time. They didn't, well, I haven't done it every other time. I don't want to feel awkward. You know, I haven't talked about Jesus to my neighbors since we've lived here for 10 years, and I've never, who cares? Allow God to change us so that we see our neighbors differently, and that we have compassion for them. We have compassion for their need to know Jesus. We sit in this room every Sunday. Why? Because we know Jesus. What if we did it all the time? Don't make excuses for what you haven't done. Allow Jesus to change you. Allow him to, you to see people differently. Those in need differently. And because of that, I think the biggest lesson of this story is give Jesus and let's see what happens. Right? Let's truly believe it. I just want to leave you with a couple of questions and then we'll pray. Are you compelled by the gospel to show Christ's love to people in need around you? 
you see evidence in your life, you are more concerned to help the poor and the weak than the average non-believer is. Because I hate to tell you, there are a lot of people out there that don't love Jesus that are givers. That want to see people not starve to death and not thirst to death. But are we as Christians going above and beyond that? Why? Because we know the hand of the man who can stop it all. The last thing is a little question by David Platt. What something needs to change in your life to affect change with the hope of Jesus in a world of urgent spiritual and physical need? So maybe that's my 2020 plug. What in your life, what in my life needs to change for me to see the world as having urgent physical and spiritual needs? What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to lay down to see people that way? Am I willing to not walk by that person? Well, I'm in a hurry. I, gotta, I just got to pick up a... What are we willing to change in our lives that sees that differently? What does it look like that people can look at us and wonder... Man, he looks like Jesus. He looks like that guy I read about in the Bible. Why does he act that way? Do people see us as looking like Jesus? God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this place. God, that we should be so grateful for being able to do church in a building like this and in a place like this, and to do ministry out of it. That we wouldn't take that for granted. God, I pray that at the beginning of all of this, that we have that encounter with Jesus. God, if there's someone here, most likely there is, who has not had that encounter with Jesus, God, I pray that you open their hearts right now. That this baby who was born on Christmas died to save us died to give us a renewed relationship with our Father in Heaven and those that do know Jesus I pray that we would have such an encounter with Him that we would continue to seek Him harder and harder that when people look at us they can't hang it on us but they have to hang it on Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing through us God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. And I pray that you would rain it on us. God, that we wouldn't be afraid of those things around us. We wouldn't be afraid of the things we haven't done. But we would be bold to change it. That we would be bold to allow our relationship and our encounter with Jesus to change how we see the people around us. How we see our neighbors. God, how we see those in need around us our co-workers, our church family. Help us to see as you see. We love you. We pray you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take up our offering. And uh, I thank you guys for being here again today. It's been a, it's been a good day. I've got a few announcements, but...
um, as the guys come. A um, couple things coming up. We have uh, hot hearts. Um, and so, and just for the record, we learned, do not Google hot hearts, okay? Do not do it. Because if you have, gentlemen, if you have covenant eyes on your phone, it could show up. Okay? I know that's not rated G, sorry. Hot Hearts is for our students. It's a student conference that is coming up January 24th and 25th. Um, the tickets are $80. It includes the lodging, the tickets, all the meals. Um, reg you can register today at tsf-church.com. Make sure you do so. We only have a certain, uh, certain room, a certain amount of tickets. So make sure you sign your student up. You can go online and sign them up right now. Uh, it's grades 6 through 12, so remember that. Uh, and then the last announcement I have for today is rest. If you have not been able to be a part of a rest, we've had a few if we've started to go. It's, it's an awesome thing. I try to go for a certain time slot because we have the kids, and sometimes they're in childcare, and sometimes we drag them in there. But all I want to do is just be there for the whole time. And just an opportunity to sit and pray and to seek God as a, as a church family and just to I, I just encourage you if you have not been to one I'm going to give you one New Year's resolution and that is it January 13th starts at 6.30 to, to 9.30 right over here in our high five room it's a come and go thing so you don't have to stay for the whole time but come and be a part of it there's child care is available for the first hour so if you have little ones or whatever and you don't just come for that first hour if you want. But I really encourage you to come and be a part of that. And I want to see our church be that. Be a praying church that's willing to come do that. We only do it once a month, so make sure you come. January 13th is the first one, okay? So um, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you in the new year, uh, in the new vision of 2020. And uh, we finally made it 20 years past the year 2000, Y2K, when everything was going to go wrong. We're still here. And so, 